there might be something that you've done some time ago um, that that means that it doesn't completely align with what you're saying now. And I certainly have found that in my past. Uh, but it's that's a good measure of your growth. And if you can still stand up in the limelight and still talk about the issues that you believe in today, not the things that you did in the past, and you can still acknowledge the things that you've done in your past whilst promoting the things that you believe in today, I think that's that's even more powerful because it just shows everyone that you don't have to be this cardboard cutout from the start. You don't have to fall into that line all the way through to your adulthood. You can be a certain way as a kid because you're impressionable and you're influenced by others around you, like we said before, your peers. And you can still come out a changed man and look back, not so much in regret, but being proud of the road that you've come, how far you've come and standing for the things that you stand for today, which might change in 10 years time. And that's evolution. And that's what we're talking about ultimately here is how men need to evolve to deal with the times that we're in today. Welcome to another episode of Couple of Lattes. Today, I get to sit down once again with my friend, Victor. This is a two-part podcast. The first part is on detoxifying masculinity, and the second part is on the mask of masculinity. So be aware that if you are listening to the first part, the second part will be coming out in a couple of days. If you do want to see the whole podcast all in one, uh, the full three or so hours of it, you can subscribe to my channel on YouTube. It's simple, at Couple of Lattes. Give it a search, subscribe, and you can watch our talking heads bob around as we discuss deep topics. Uh, also, if you're using Apple Podcasts, take a moment to leave a rating and a review. Each time we get a five-star rating and a review, it helps get the podcast out to more potential listeners, which I'm pretty keen on. And hopefully, if you're getting something out of this podcast, you are also keen on sharing that wisdom. So let's get into the first part of this podcast with Vic on detoxifying masculinity. <laughs> awesome um hey bro i want to i want to kick off by asking you obviously we chatted the other day about mental health in general and we came up with a couple of topics uh this one being detoxifying masculinity so i kind of want to get some context though like why is mental health so important to you mental health is really important because um it's something that's not talked about very very often, particularly amongst men. Um, you know, we're always kind of taught to be these stoic, um, uh, unemotional pillars of strength that have wide shoulders that carry um, the world's problems. But whose voice is that that we're hearing? And who is this person? Um, I'm Victor. I'm uh, 30 years old. I was born in Switzerland, um, migrated here with my family when I was a young boy. Um, I love playing soccer and I'm obsessed with picking wild mushrooms in the forest and identifying them. Um, I also studied law, uh, graduated about four years ago now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, hey bro, I want to I kick off by asking you, 
obviously we chatted the other day about mental health in general and we came up with a couple of topics uh this one being detoxifying masculinity so i kind of want to get some context though like why is mental health so important to you mental health is really important because um it's something that's not talked about very very often particularly amongst men um you know we're always kind of taught to be these stoic um uh, unemotional pillars of strength that have wide shoulders that carry um, the world's problems but ultimately that takes its toll and you know i've i've lost close friends to to suicide and um although it's hard to say the reason behind that um it's probably because there's been a lot of repression of emotions because we don't feel like we can talk about it being men um so i think mental health is ultimately the most important thing in our lives because without it we kind of don't really know how to interact with the rest of the world mm-hmm. um yeah no i totally agree with that and I guess to give it a little bit more context, what's kind of your experience with mental health? Would you say that you're someone who's suffered from, even if it's like temporary moments of depression, or I kind of just want to understand your experience with uh, mental health illnesses, or or maybe even moments of depression in your past? Yeah, um, I feel as though, you know, from coming out of school, being a young man, um, we experience a lot of different emotional uh, instabilities at different times in our lives. And that could include um, high levels of anxiety, high levels of depression. Um, And I guess uh, over time, to try and not get bogged in that moment and and just feel that emotion, allow it to wash over you in a, in a way and, and not let it define you as a person. You don't, you don't have to be depressed. You can experience depression and you don't have to be an anxious person. You can experience moments of anxiety. And I, I suppose learning to think about things that way has really allowed me to keep pushing forward through what have been difficult moments in my life. Um, you know, having left school at quite a young age because I I really, really didn't like school. I was getting bullied a lot. I was dropped into a public school in, in you know, in North Queensland uh, and I experienced a lot of, uh, of racial vilification. I being, you know, because I, because of the color of my skin, because uh, the fact that I didn't speak English coming from another country, I was just a foreign object for kids and the kids can be unforgiving but at that age it's, you know it's a product of how they've been raised it's not their fault per se um but i just didn't know how to manage it and i hated it so much that i ended up dropping out of school at quite a young age and then that led to a lot of uh anger in me which took years and years to work out of me and and coming out of it now i'm happy to look back at it all and say well i've i've made some bad decisions but i've you know come back from that and ultimately that's that's the measure of who you are how you bounce back from adversity mm-hmm. and how important do you feel 
how important do you feel it is to have like mentors that show, I guess, in an essence, to bring it back to the topic of detoxifying masculinity? How important do you think it is to have mentors that show you how to be like a good man, show you how to be stoic, but at the same time, comfortable with sharing your emotions and show you how to be um, masculine, you know, masculine in certain aspects and then in other aspects to kind of tone down that, that level of masculinity? How, how important are mentors? Well, I mean, particularly at a young age, I think mentors are, are very important. I think at a young age, you're very impressionable. Um, you you look to those around you, whether it's your friends, your family, older brother, parents, uncles, aunties, grandparents, and you kind of you, you absorb what, what it is that they're putting out into the world, how they're interacting with other people, um, and certainly if if you're around men that are um you know uh speaking to people in a certain tone or being aggressive towards women or children uh you start to maybe normalize that um and that's a really i think it's a really ancient way of of thinking i think and we need we need to move past that now and 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 grow in our emotional intelligence because if we don't if we don't have the right people around us to guide us in the right way uh it the road to come back from that is going to be a million times more difficult mm-hmm. um so as you say we can still be these masculine uh, stoic men um, without repressing without repressing our own emotions uh, and without having to kind of assert ourselves as being men because we are men we know we're men and different men have different qualities uh, some have more feminine qualities than others um, and just as our physiological makeup is different one person to the next, our emotional makeup is also different. And some people have, uh, you know, are stronger in one emotional area of their being than they are in others. And, and it's just a matter of working on that uh, rather than just thinking this is a cutout shape of what I'm supposed to be. And I need to fit within that in order to, fit in with my peers and my friends. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I've got a couple of thoughts on this and you and I kind of uh, talked about it last time we caught up. But the first one I wanted to address is this this idea of toxic masculinity as, as a kind of phrase that's used to identify the behavior of men who do show like really toxic behavior. And I'm totally against that to, to set the record straight. The thing that annoys me about um, labeling masculinity as a whole as toxic. And I'm not saying that there's a lot of people who push this out there. Unfortunately, in the world of social media and the world of the internet, as soon as one sort of catchy title goes out into the internet, even though there's probably no sort of backing or, or research behind it, it just gets pushed out to millions and millions and billions and billions to quote the way Donald Trump does things, billions and billions. And billions. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if you see that. Don't ever quote Donald Trump again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but 
to go back to it, you know, it gets pushed out to billions of, of men. And when you think about it, like if you put yourself in the shoes of a young man who is sitting there and he's trying to find mentors in his life to show him, um, let's say he's quite a masculine dude, right? And what he's searching for is, is mentors in his life. Maybe it's fathers or brothers or in the world of the internet, maybe it's personalities on the internet to show him what it like looks like to be a respectful, good man who contributes to society, who cares, who loves, but also is stoic when he needs to be, is strong when he needs to be. Imagine if the first thing he sees and latches onto is an article saying that masculinity is toxic. So what's he going to think straight away is he's going to think that all of his behavior that is masculine is toxic. So then what that results in is him growing up to have this idea that all of his behavior, which is predominantly masculine, is a toxic thing that he needs to avoid. And then he gets to a point where he doesn't actually understand the good aspects of masculinity or how to use his masculine energy in a way that is kind and caring and contributory to society. He just ends up in this confused place. And those are the kind of people who probably end up displaying the toxic behavior because they're so confused with their identity and who they're meant to be that they're the person that probably goes and drinks a bunch of beers and treats women like absolute shit in a bar. Not the people who are nurtured or the men who are nurtured to understand the good elements of being masculine, the elements that allow you to be a good man. What do you kind of think about that? I think, um, you know, I think you nailed it. Uh, first of all, it is just a catchy title. Uh, somebody came up with a title and, and um, you know, they equated certain aspects of masculinity as being toxic. And yeah. I think we both can agree that there are certain things in masculinity that if used incorrectly are toxic. Um, mm -hmm. But again, like you say, and like we agree on, being able to properly harness your emotions and your idea of masculinity um, and arrange it in such a way that it makes sense and it plays with the rest of society and promotes, uh, promotes love and caring and kindness and still stoicism, like you say. Um, but at the same time, you, you know, that, it's it's like we there needs to be these there need to be these these articles that really shock people and stir anger within them in order for change to occur sometimes and and i imagine you know the people that have written about toxic masculinity are people who have experienced toxic masculinity in its absolute worst form you know we talk about uh, we, we talk about a woman in India who was gang raped on a bus, you know, that is absolutely horrendous. And to be in that situation, I imagine the young lady who experienced that wouldn't even be able to utter words after that traumatic event, you know, let alone write an article about it. So I imagine that the people who have started writing about toxic masculinity have been exposed to it for such extended periods of time that they feel so strongly about it. And perhaps they haven't chosen the best words to describe it. But I think if we peel back the layers, we can really understand where that comes from. Mm. Um, and, and there, there is this kind of olden way of doing things, this, this old way of doing things and, and, you know, being this breadwinner, um, figure in a in, in a family um, 
is your role, you know, and that comes from from uh, the, from being a Neanderthal. That men went and hunted, you know, and the women went and gathered, and that's ultimately where where that idea comes from. Um, but that idea has massively changed now, um, and we live in a world where we're not hunting for our food, you know. And men can easily go to the supermarket just as women can go to the supermarket, you know. And so this idea of hunter-gatherer, it doesn't exist anymore. And if you live in a household where you're not the majority breadwinner as a man, you don't have to feel emasculated, mm. you know. And this is the idea that we need to shift towards is, is coming away from what our traditional roles were defined as because times have changed massively and if we keep defining ourselves and our roles based on the times that were we'll never evolve as a race mm. Mm. yeah uh i i agree to to some extent with what you're saying um especially in terms of like the whole idea of being fixed on one role and and you know men do the breadwinning and women do the rearing of the children and yeah like i've had discussions with people on this in the past and I can understand why pe people kind of latch onto the past in every situation, right? Because nostalgia is great. Like it's, it's nice to hold on to the good old days, but when people are in the good old days, they're still being nostalgic about their good old days. Right. So there is this kind of draw of humanity to stick with the good old days, have this kind of nostalgia. So I agree with that. Like times are moving forward. Um, and I think men and, uh, and women and, and wherever you fit on the spectrum because there is we are finding out more and more that people do have a range of different um, hormone levels which dictate how masculine and how feminine they are um, i think it is important to move at the times and get away from that whole idea that you know you have to fit a specific model of what it is to be a man or you have to fit a specific model of what it is to be a woman um, and i can imagine people listening to this and kind of having the argument of biology and it, it doesn't work it has has to be men and women and yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, like you say, times are changing and there isn't just one specific type of man and there isn't just one specific type of woman. And if you're in a partnership where you do want to stick to that kind of idea of what it is to be a man, what it is to be a woman, then all power to you. But also if you're in a relationship where you, you know, maybe you're the dad, the stay at home dad and your wife or your partner is the one out there doing the breadwinning, then that's fine too. Like there is no specific role. So I agree with you on that. One thing, I'd, one thing I'd kind of add, and I don't, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like with masculinity, there is some sort of, like, I feel like it is important to address with young men, particularly, um, that it is okay to express your masculinity, but in certain situations, right? So you use the example of um, the gang rape in India, which is terrible. And those things happen in Australia, right? Like those things happen in first world countries. And it's really sad to see that that still happens. And unfortunately, I think it's unrealistic to think that it won't continue to happen for a little while longer. And there's always going to be outliers and, you know, crazy things that happen. But what we can do is, is work together to try and reduce that kind of thing happening. And in my opinion, the, the best way to do that is to guide young men, because there is always, we have testosterone, right? Like testosterone is that thing that fuels um, drive and energy and, strength but then it also if nurtured the wrong way fuels anger and hatred and these acts like you like you used as an example in india so i think it's really important to 
address with men that it is okay to be masculine. And here's how you can use that energy in a way that's going to do good and not to do evil. What do you think about that? Of course, uh, I think absolutely you're right. You, you need to be able to harness that energy in a way that is going to be able to do good. Um, but then the question becomes, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. How, how do we in, you know, how do we teach not only young men, but they're older men. And, you know, they, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, I really hope that you can because uh, a lot of the population is in that age bracket that they need to learn a lot of new tricks and, you know, don't want to go too much off topic here, but a lot of that population are, you know, are our leadership, you know, they're in government and, mm. and a lot of those people are making decisions on, on our behalf. Um, and so we need to really be able to shift our way of thinking and find a way to productively be this masculine energy uh, that isn't uh, white knighting just to try and be, you know, uh, you know, a, a pro feminist um, to get some sort of advantage or ingratiate themselves with feminists. We can't be mansplaining, you know, our way through problems. <laughs> mansplaining, what, I love it. We we have we do have to shift our energy in a way that does make masculinity positive. But then how do we do that? That is that's the question we need to ask ourselves. And where, you know, where is that masculinity really concentrated? And I think you know in the recent weeks, um uh, as you know, we've been going through COVID and a lot of the industries have shut down and, and a lot of my income was coming from the hospitality industry. And unfortunately that's also closed down, you know, because you've been in the hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. I've had to shift um, where I work to try and make some income so I can continue living. And where I've moved into is, is an industry that is really, really concentrated levels of masculinity uh, and that's construction. Uh, also construction notoriously known as uh, the number one industry construction forestry mining where they have the highest suicide rates in the world they say 55 55 uh, suicides out of 100,000 deaths occur in the construction industry and you have to you have to start wondering why is that and the past few weeks, spending a bit of time in the construction industry and really being exposed to that kind of masculinity where at some level I had to convince my colleagues that I'm in a relationship with a woman in order for them to be to feel comfortable enough to talk to me. Because if I was, if I was potentially a homosexual, then I would be shunned. I would not be accepted within the, the workforce. And that is, that's devastating. And it breaks my heart to, to be silenced in a way because the, I'm constantly being around these men that, and they're talking, they're speaking in such a way, you know, with, with regards to race, uh, the amount of terms that have been flung around with, with referring to different races, whether it's Chinese or indigenous Australians, you'd be, You'd be shocked by by the terms that they use, and you know, being around them, I I find myself not speaking up 
on behalf of those that are being uh, marginalized in their discourse. And my heart breaks because I know that if I do, I'll probably lose my job. Mm. Um, and this is this is the concentration of it. This is where it is, you know. These men have been raised in families where perhaps their parents weren't emotionally present uh, or physically present or, you know, or, or both. And it's not their fault. Um, but how do we get a message to them mm. to tell them that it's not okay to speak this way, uh, that you're not a man if you talk about the last time you got into a punch on or how many cans you sucked on on the weekend, you know? It, it doesn't make you a man to do that. Um, and how, how do you get that message across to mm. them? How do you decrypt it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really powerful um, story I, th- I think you just shared. And I think if there is men listening to this right now, especially if they are in the construction industry or if they are in an industry that is really masculine and they're kind of, uh, thinking to themselves like, man, I, I just really want to have some deeper conversations around mental health and emotional intelligence and identify all these like really toxic things that I see my friends doing on the weekend, but they feel like they can't, right? There's that pressure of that herd mentality. Um, so I think that's a really hard issue to to fix. And I think it would be unrealistic to say that it's not going to take time. Like it is going to take time. Like you say, um, <laughs> with that with that elegant quote, it's hard to teach uh, an old dog new tricks. And there's truth to that, right? Like these guys who are in their forties and fifties and sixties have, have built an entire belief system on the experiences and the environment that they've been in. And that is really hard to, to have a conversation with someone who is so set in their beliefs and their way of life and the way that they grew up. Um, so I think it's unrealistic to think that it's not going to take a bit of time, but, to kind of take a step back a bit, what you mentioned before about having those articles and those shock factor where you're sitting there reading about, say, toxic masculinity, for example, and you're hearing a story of, of these women who were just completely um, dehumanized by, by groups of men. I think it is important to, to feel that and to empathize with that as a man and then to move into having conversations like you and I are having today, right, to, to actually talk openly about it in a manner that... Um, slowly becomes the norm because because what we're doing by having these conversations and i was talking to you but before we started recording about uh this guy gabe who runs um who runs Haymate, which is essentially a, a group on zoom where a bunch of guys and the group that i was with there was tradies and there was computer scientists and there was guys in their 50s and then guys who were you know younger than 20 all sit together and have a conversation like you and i are having today about what it is to be a ba- to be a man, what it is to be a man who who can be stoic but then also emotionally intelligent at the same time, what it's like to be a man who stands up to his friends who are showing really toxic behavior and treats women with respect and not just women with respect but everyone with respect. Um, so I think conversations is a really important starting point. But I think I kind of agree with you on the point that sometimes it does need to be shock before people do anything about it. Right. Like you do need to kind of uh, be like, Whoa, Holy shit. Like that's happening for you to actually sit down and have these conversations. So I think that's a really valid point you brought up at the start of this podcast. And I think kind of moving on um, 
I guess the idea you're touching on there is is herd mentality in a sense, right? Like if you're, let's say you're one guy, so yourself and this group of laborers, and they're all, you know, calling people bitches and sluts and talking racially um, insensitively about certain minorities or just being general assholes, really. Um, it's hard to be the person that speaks up, right? It's really hard to be that person um, who says, hey, like, I don't think this is okay especially if you already feel as though you're a minority in that group. So maybe the question becomes, how do we, how do we get the message across to more men to stand up and say, this isn't okay without having the fear of being physically or emotionally attacked? Yeah. Um, that is the question, isn't it? And, and how do we, how do we even start to approach that? Um, well, uh you know like like what we're effectively talking about now is um is a term called social license to operate and that doesn't just apply in your social circles but it also applies in um in how corporations decide to operate and and uh you know whether or not the the community and society as a whole accepts their behavior um and like you say, it is about having these conversations, you and I are having these conversations. Um, but can I be a person that is respected in a group of construction workers enough for them to be receptive to my message? Or do I first need to show them that I can drink a carton of beer and, um, and you know, and, and do a suicide shot with tequila uh, with lime in the eye and snorting salt and then then will i be accepted <laughs> you know? it's that college mentality i feel and part of that it really starts at school um you know i when i and i think that it starts at school because a lot of our problems start at school you know <laughs> our inability to understand our um electoral system in australia probably starts at school um well, for me, going to school in Australia, having moved here from Switzerland, uh, I never really, I was never really exposed to rugby league or any kind of ball that wasn't round. Um, so um, lunchtime was particularly difficult for me because I didn't, first, I didn't speak any English. And secondly, I didn't know how to play rugby and i didn't know how to understand how to play rugby because i didn't speak english so i was kind of in a perpetual cycle of uh exclusion there and um and that, and i guess you know that that kind of mentality there if if you're not in that group why would they listen to you you know if i if i went into the middle of the, the pitch and just said to the the boys at school in broken english um, do you think we can play soccer? You know, what do you think their response would be? And it's just, it's, I, you know, in a way it's the same thing as going into a group of construction workers and saying, should we talk about our emotions? What do you think the response would be? You know, mm. I just somehow don't think it would be very receptive. Um, so I think it's, it's finding channels, um, you know, like maybe radio triple M, a lot of tradies listen to that on their way home from work. Uh, maybe it's promoting 
men's health or emotional intelligence through uh, ad putting advertisements in fo during football matches. That costs a lot of money for sure. Uh, but it's about finding those avenues, you know, like we discussed earlier, going to a gym and doing an emotional intelligence seminar after a workout session um, to talk about self-awareness. Uh, it's a safe environment for men that are pumped full of testosterone after a gym session because there are other men there attending so they don't feel emasculated. It's about making them feel like you're not threatening their masculinity by conveying a message to them that says, hey, it's okay to talk about your feelings. You don't have to repress everything. You don't have to carry the entire world on your shoulders. And it's okay to cry. Mm. 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 Yeah, I think to add to that, I think you touched on something really, really powerful there is the more you can get... Uh, like let's, I, I don't know footy, but famous people in footy. If anyone wants to uh, let Vic and I know about famous people in footy, <laughs> you can comment on this on Instagram or send send me a DM or send Vic a DM because neither of us really know footy that well. Maybe Sammy, if you're listening. Sammy definitely knows Sammy. footy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, let's say, you know, because there is a lot of, negative media around a lot of these big uh masculine sports stars right imagine if a couple of those guys like let's use basketball for an example imagine if lebron james was to get behind um, a men's mental health initiative and was to get behind a mentoring um, initiative to say hey like all of you masculine men out there like it's okay to be manly but what's not okay is to harass women what's not okay is to show these really toxic traits what is okay is to talk about it when you're feeling really shit because when you do talk about feeling really shit chances are you're not going to go end up acting out on your masculine energy in a way that's going to really harm other people so i think what you touched on there is super important like imagine if these big kind of tradie radio shows started talking more openly about emotional intelligence in men and calling out the disgusting behavior that you see um men use in in work sites you know racism and sexism and just general harassment i think that would be like one of the most powerful things because what that does then is it slowly transitions the herd into a new way of thinking right but on a smaller scale like what you and i can do and and what other people in our boat can do is, is do more of this you know have more of these conversations like this podcast might get to um a few men out there and then they might talk to a few of their mates and then that could create a flow on effect right and same with what my what my friend gabe is doing with Haymac. the more of those conversations they have and the more kind of tradies or computer scientists or boomers get involved with those conversations they might find the bravery and the strength to talk to their friends about it or even just walk away and basically say your behavior isn't something i want to be around that might empower more men right so I think the big scale stuff, that's the dream, right? To be able to have this kind of open scale conversation. And I think people like Joe Rogan's podcast, for example, you know, people of that kind of scale already are having these kind of conversations, already are kind of attacking these really hard to talk about issues. Mm. Um, so we need more of those kind of conversations, right? And more of those kind of big level um, masculine 
sports stars and actors coming out and saying, hey, dudes, it's okay to cry about something. It's okay to say I'm not feeling okay. Um, so, yeah, what, what do you kind of think? Do you have any kind of more points on that one? I I completely agree. I would love to to think that some of these huge stars, uh, influential uh, men and women are able to talk about this subject openly. Um, what I what I am afraid of, though, is we all know that people have pasts. You know, everyone has a past. The past is just that. It's it's being able to look at it retrospectively and seeing how much you've grown on your on your gradient, how how far you've come from your past. And it would be nice to think that if these sports stars came up and they've moved on from their past, as I have, as you have, and we've grown from we look at we look at the decisions we made when we were kids and we think, geez, I can't believe I said that. Just I can't believe I did that. Was I really that kind of person? How many times do you do that? You look at yourself and go, wow. And you kind of have this internal like cringe where you're just like, ooh, if, if, that, if I saw that today, I would actually be mm, repulsed by that. I just hope that if a lot of the, if, if stars come out and talk about this subject openly, they aren't grilled by the media by something that they did 20 years ago, you know, and that is very likely to happen because when you're in the limelight, there might be something that you've done some time ago um, that, that means that it doesn't completely align with what you're saying now. And I certainly have found that in my past, uh, but it's, that's a good measure of your growth. And if you can still stand up in the limelight and still talk about the issues that you believe in today, not the things that you did in the past, and you can still acknowledge the things that you've done in your past whilst promoting the things that you believe in today. I think that's, that's even more powerful because it just shows everyone that you don't have to be this cardboard cutout from the start. You don't have to fall into that line all the way through to your adulthood. You can be a certain way as a kid because you're impressionable and you're influenced by others around you, like we said before, your peers. And you can still come out a changed man and look back not so much in regret but being proud of the road that you've come how far you've come and standing for the things that you stand for today which might change in 10 years time and that's evolution and that's what we're talking about ultimately here is how men need to evolve to deal with mm. the times that we're in today mm -hmm. yeah i think that's really powerful what you just said bro uh, and you know what, I'm, I'm going to start the ball rolling for anyone listening here. I've already shared my truth plenty of times, but I'll share it again. In, in terms of the toxicity in my behavior when I was younger, like I cheated on ex-girlfriends multiple times. I called girls bitches and um, whores when they didn't kind of, uh, I guess, interact with me in the way I wanted to. Like I, I did really bad things when I was a younger man. And that's part of growing up, right? And I'm not proud of it at all. But I think it's really powerful to be able to sit here and acknowledge that, you know, I've had a past and I've done things that I'm not proud of, but I'm growing and I'm learning and I'm, I'm, I can now sit here and proudly say I'm a better man. I'm a good man. And I think that's powerful. Imagine if stars were able to do that. But then on the flip side as well, and I think if someone came at it like that and said, hey, look, I've done stuff in my past and I'm not proud of this is what I've done. 
this is not who I am now. And this is not the kind of behavior that I would encourage people who look at me as a mentor to do. Right. But on the mm. flip side of it as well, you've got this kind of outrage culture on social media where people do tend to want to drag up the past and smear people where they, they kind of come from just a place of anger. And that's not helping the issue either. Right. Like if, if someone is to have the bravery to stand up there and say, Hey, look, I've done terrible things in my past that I'm not proud of and I'm becoming a better person. Uh, you know, like those are the kind of people that you want to support because those are the people that are going to uh, influence other men to become better. What do you kind of think about that? Uh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, a perfect example for me is the first podcast that I, I did with you about anger management. Um, and I think I discussed this with you. I, you know, it was posted on Facebook, um, you know, anger management with Victor Burley. And I had a lot of people from my past just laugh at that post. And it was hurtful for me. Um, but at the same time, I could understand why they would laugh at it because they they knew me from an age where I, I was a very angry kid. Um, and I could sit here giving you reasons to why I was angry. Uh, but I'm not a victim in all of this. Um, I'm just a student. So I've learned along the way that, you know, there, there were a lot of things that made me angry. And now I can stand up to the stage and say, I've really learned to manage those emotions. Um, and like you, you know, you openly admitted to being a certain way with women in the past, just because we're having this conversation about, masculinity and how men treat women it doesn't mean that we were angels in our lives i mean we were children mm. you know and there were times where we shit the bed so and we've shit the bed as adolescents and we'll shit the bed as adults figuratively speaking mm. you know um i have definitely been in situations where i've been disrespectful to women uh, and i'm not proud of that not at all mm. and and if I could go back now, knowing what I know, I certainly wouldn't make the same decisions. And I think that's what it's all about is, is if you can go back and say, would you make the same decision knowing what you know today? And if the answer is no, then you've grown and you've changed and you don't have to hold yourself accountable to that standard of you and that version of you. That was only relative to a period of time in your life with what you knew and with your environment around you and the people that were influencing you. And now is now and what you believe in is now and you've changed and that's growth. And that's ultimately what we're looking for in this conversation from men. We're looking for you to grow. If you're listening to this out there and you're thinking, well, that's easier said than done. I can't really change. Well, you can because it's one day to the next. And it's every day if you just put a penny in the box, you'll get, you'll get something out of it in the end. And it doesn't seem like much. But if you look back now at the things that you cringed upon as a kid, then you know that growth is possible. And even if you don't see it on a daily basis, you'll know it's possible for the future. And you'll look back at this moment and go, I thought I couldn't change, but I can. And I see that now. And look at me now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, I think that's powerful what you said. And like you and I, like we're both 30 now, right? And we, like even when we were growing up, this kind of these kind of conversations about masculinity and disrespect towards women wasn't as common right and 
just like you and just like I said before, like I've done stuff in my past, like call women bitches or whores because, you know, they don't want to dance with me or, or something ridiculous like that. Like I've, I've done disrespectful things in my past and I've learned from it and I've become a better man. But that's not to say that young men now can't find that transition earlier, right? Because there is so many more men like yourself and I and my friend Gabe and my friend Jack, who I had a conversation with the other week, who are really focused on um, becoming better men and encouraging younger men to become better men earlier so that the problem is avoided much earlier. And that's not to say that you'll have slip-ups and mistakes, but the hope is the more we can evolve and transition into this this group of you know older or even middle-aged men who are able to say, hey, that behavior is not okay, then these younger men can look at it um, earlier in life, earlier earlier on in life, and make less of these mistakes, and um, make more positive, uh, create more positive effects in the world than even you and I did when when we started absolutely. to kind of learn about absolutely, absolutely, yeah, definitely. I mean, it it's if we take the analogy of um, of these young men and how apt they are at using iPhones and computers and technology, and then uh, and and how some of the older generation are not quite as good, then then we illustrate evolution perfectly. And if we illustrate evolution on a technological basis, then we can do the same on an emotional basis, I think. Mm. Um, so as young men are being brought up in the society that we live today, and as these conversations are happening more and more, uh, as you say, Joe Rogan is talking about this sort of stuff, as 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 toxic masculinity is being detoxified it's one podcast at a time <laughs> mm, yeah um then inevitably young men are going to have this higher level of emotional intelligence through a natural process of evol- evolution mm, mm. yeah 100 percent. and and i think like there is i guess there might be that argument that people say that well biologically we can't evolve at that kind of speed but what I would say to, to people who kind of have that argument is, yeah, I mean, maybe our brains can't develop that fast, but we have this ability now to to be able to notice when our behavior, even if it is biological or, or a natural trait, we have that ability and those social contracts in place where we are able to notice that, all right, this isn't the right way to direct this kind of biological need that I have as a man and the more we kind of refine and strengthen these social contracts by having the conversations that you and I are having on bigger scale and saying, Hey, socially, it is not acceptable to treat a woman like this or socially it is not acceptable to treat anyone like this. The more that that happens, the the more we'll be able to kind of mentor younger men, especially, and hopefully we'll convince some older men who are convinced in their own ways to change as well to direct your masculine energy to different outlets, things like the gym or things like, you know, doing jujitsu or going hunting instead of directing that energy towards going and sinking 20, 20 beers at the bar and then harassing some poor woman who has no interest in, in dancing with you or talking to you. Exactly. Uh, and you put it really well there. And, and a lot of that, a lot of I think we we can flow into the topic of of um, of mental illness there because we, what you're saying is that 
you know, instead of going and doing these things, you know, whether it's jujitsu, as you say, whether it's playing sports, or it might be that you, as a man, you don't have as much masculine energy or testosterone as the man standing next to you. And instead, you'd like to write some poetry, or you'd like to paint the trees or whatever it is, collect some rocks. It doesn't matter. Um, instead of going and, you know, drinking beer or doing drugs, which I think uh, are things that a lot of men are pushed to because they're not able to properly uh, articulate their emotions. Uh, and they're trying to, and they're trying to fit a norm as well to some sense, right? It comes back to what you were saying at the start of this stereotypical male. And if that's the only thing that men know is what they're meant to be, then they're going to keep trying to be something that they don't actually identify as being. That's exactly right. Exactly. I mean, they're trying to fit this norm and they don't identify as this, as you say. And so it makes them feel constantly in a state of discomfort and unease. Um, I mean, you know, coming out of a meditation, uh, how centered you feel, uh, how self-aware you feel. And that feeling of just complete calm allows you to go into the day and see with clarity, act with clarity and speak with clarity and confidence and conviction Whereas if you're in a constant state of unease because you don't really know how to identify as a male, you don't understand who you are or you're constantly fighting these emotions and instead of feeling sadness and crying, you beat your heart unconscious until it barely beats anymore, you know. Uh, Then you go into the state of, all right, um, you're in repression mode now. How do I manage these emotions? Well, you know, managing emotions, as I said to you earlier, uh, is another way of saying, okay, you're repress, you're repressing. So if, when I said to you, men and women across a number of studies rate equally on emotional intelligence tests. Um, because women rate quite highly on on being empathetic, on developing relationships, whereas they don't rate as highly on things like self-confidence and managing stressful situations. Men rate really highly in self-confidence and managing stressful situations. So if we think about that, how do men manage stressful situations? Well, a lot of men they just repress their emotions towards those stressful situations. It's a sort of, it's a numbing exercise, which allows you to move through it much quicker and perceivably you're more effective. And so then you come across as more emotional intelligence on the, on a result on a test, but perhaps the long-term result is not great because, you know, in 2018, New South Wales had 900 suicides and 700 of those were men. Mm-hmm. So what does you know what does that say when we talk about those statistics and we cross reference those with with emotional intelligence, then perhaps managing stressful situations isn't actually managing stressful situations, and turning to alcohol and drugs is just fueling a perpetual motion of mental illness and 
and, and repression, which is leading to such high rates of male suicide. Mm-hmm. And also a good good thing to add is, you know, if men in general are kind of having this idea that they should repress their emotions and be continuously stoic until the end of time, imagine for all those men who don't uh, commit suicide or, or take that kind of emotional distress out upon themselves. Imagine all those men who are potentially repressing so much that they get to a breaking point and they snap and they attack their partners or they attack uh, another woman who who is unfortunately in the way of those repressed emotions finally coming out. So I think it's really important to to let more men know that, like we were saying before, you know, like it's okay to be, you know, stoic and be able to manage stressful situations, but then it's also really, really okay to sit down with a friend later on and say, Hey, like I'm feeling really quite fucked right now. Like I'm stressed. I'm anxious. Can I just talk about it? Can we just have a conversation yeah. about it? It's not just okay. It's, it's, it's of absolute importance that that happens. Like, mm. um, and you know, I, this, you know, I'll give you an example and I'll share something really personal to me that happened this week. Um, I lost a friend, uh, a school, a very close friend of mine from high school to uh, bowel cancer this week. And um, sorry to hear about that, man. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so I, and, and I wasn't able to talk about it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really able to talk about it to anyone because I don't really know how to bring it up. Um, and so what did I do? Well, I, I posted a relatively vague Facebook post about life and death um, without specifically identifying the person who passed away in a nickname, yes. Um, and maybe I was kind of crying out for someone to say, hey, are you okay? And funnily enough, it is. It, it was Are You Okay Week this week, mm. discussing mental illness. Um, mm. So it's, you know, for someone who I would say is emotionally intelligent as a man, I even struggle with this sort of stuff. And, mm. um, and you know, dealing with death, I just revert to a logical and rational approach to death. And that's simply that, well, it is part of the life cycle Mm. um, and it's inevitable. Oxidization happens. And if it's unfortunate because of illness, uh, then that's misfortune and in misfortune is part of the human condition. And that's how I kind of move through it. And I know within myself that that's not healthy because I don't get the closure that I know that I need. Mm. And I'm not sure exactly where that comes from, but I know that if that's happening within me, it must only be 10 times more concentrated in those men who have been taught to be these unfeeling, unmoving, stoic men. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's powerful, man. How are you feeling? Like, how do you feel about how everything's happened? Well, um, it's been nice to speak to friends who 
were in that close group. Um, we reminisced about the times that we would come home from school and go and do some backyard boxing or uh, we played King's Cup or we'd go cliff jumping. And that was really nice because a lot of those friends, we kind of lost touch and we weren't, you know, as, as you know, when you grow grow older, you don't hold the same group as friend, of friends as close to you as you did when you were younger. Um, but it was nice to really reminisce on those moments and all the good times that we've shared together and, and his, and celebrate his life effectively while still recognizing the pain that his fiance, newly engaged fiance must be going through and the family. And, um, and then my inability to go up to Queensland and, and actually attend a funeral. Um, but you know, men that, have I that I spent time with as ki- as a kid who have grown up and and in their adolescent years to be some quite violent and then shift into a career which is quite again male domina- dominated uh, like two of them are cray fishermen uh, out on fishing boats one of them is in mining the other is in construction industry to to hear some of their voices crack over the phone in sadness and feel like it's okay to be weak for that moment was really touching. Um, and it really brought me closer to, to being able to express that same emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause we talked about this the other week that you, you struggle to even cry. And I bet there's a lot of men out there listening to this podcast right now that are thinking exactly the same thing that like, even when you want to cry, there's that kind of underlying brainwashing that you can't cry. You can't show emotion. You have to be strong. You have to always be the one that's holding the weight on your shoulders. And like we said before, what happens to all that repressed emotion is it results in ridiculously high levels of men killing themselves. It results in ridiculously high levels of men um, expressing that kind of repression in a really negative way towards a lot of women who don't simply don't deserve to be treated that way. Um, and it's really interesting. We, we were talking about how like me, for example, like I'm able to cry now, which I'm pumped about. I'm so excited about it. And it's, it's good to be able to talk about openly. Like I'm happy to share this, but I still struggle with crying in front of other people, uh, crying in, in front of other women. Funnily enough, I'm cool with, because there is that kind of emotional intelligence aspect with female friends of mine where like they can sit there and understand that, that I'm, I'm being brave for showing that emotion. I'm being brave for like expressing the fact that I'm not always a strong manly man, but with other guys, I still feel this pressure that if I'm around other dudes, I can't cry because they might see me as lesser, but it's totally the opposite because I find when I actually have these deep conversations with men, they actually see strength in that, right? Like, this is like, wow, like, dude, you're able to cry. That's fucking awesome. Like, I wish I could do that. <laughs> it's true, man. Like, I'm jealous. Like, I genuinely am jealous. And it's not, it's not that I've, I don't want to cry. Believe me, I look at people, I look at people who are crying and I feel like I'm going to be crude here. I feel like it would just be a complete relief, just like that private pleasure, you know, when you're in the bathroom relieving yourself of whatever it is you're <laughs> relieving yourself. And it's just this release and this feel-good moment, this private pleasure. I feel like crying would be this 
this weight off your shoulder and this closure. And I'm, I just, I know that one day it'll happen and I, and I'm, and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, mm. That's such an odd thing to say. I'm really looking forward to crying. Mm. Well, I think it's, it's sadness or in happiness. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I think it's really like it's it's a turning point now that you're able to sit here and have these conversations because the Victor I knew two years ago would, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the Victor I knew two years ago would not have sit down and had an open conversation like this and said openly to the world or whoever's listening, hey, I want to cry. <laughs> no, you're definitely right. I, so that so that in a way is showing your your growth and your emotional intelligence. And I hope this inspires more men to to take up arms on that, you know, like to to be open and instead of repressing and ending up hurting a woman close to them or even hurting anyone close to them or even themselves to just sit down with friends and be like yo like i'm feeling really fucking shit and i want to talk about it yeah you need to you need to and crack a can if that's what makes you feel better and if it gets the juices flowing crack two cans you know but like you need to talk about it and and um, you're not going to feel weaker and you're going to feel stronger. You're going to feel empowered. And there are, there are a lot of men around you that you don't even know, but they're ready to listen and they're ready to talk with you about these things. Mm, but mm. because they're in the same boat as you and they're not really sure how to navigate this emotional minefield, they're just quiet on the matter. And it just takes you with a can opener to open up that can of worms and then just let it all flow out, then they'll be receptive to it. I know it. hundred mm, percent. And for anyone who is listening to this and thinking, God, I'd love to do that, but um, I'm just too embarrassed to talk to my friend group about it. I'm going to link in the description, obviously like Victor's handle and my handle. So you can talk openly to us about it, but then also I'm going to link in at Hey Mate, which is what I was talking about before. It's that group where a group of guys completely, don't know each other, sit down and have an open conversation. And sometimes it's so powerful to sit down and talk to someone you don't know, because then there is no connection, right? And there's no, there's not that sense of embarrassment that your friends will know how you truly feel inside. You're just talking to, to a bunch of lads um, from an emotional perspective. So I'll link all of that in the description, but Hey Vic, I kind of wanted to, um, I'm thinking we're kind of on a bit of a roll here. So I want to ask a couple more questions about detoxifying masculinity and then maybe we can move on to the other topic we, we discussed previously, the mask of masculinity. And for anyone listening now, um, this is going to be a two-part podcast. But if you want to see the full thing all together in one, you can actually subscribe on YouTube at Couple of Lattes. Bit of a shameless plug there, Vic. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but not Couple sorry. Of lattes. <laughs> Couple of decaf lattes for me this month. Oh, he's going <laughs> caffeine-free. Um, anyway, bro, last last kind of question around detoxifying masculinity. Um, let's talk about the solutions because we've talked a bit about the problems and we've mentioned a few solutions here and there tucked in, um, but let's maybe name a few of the solutions. So maybe if you have uh, two, three, or even four solutions that you think might help in this battle to detoxify this shitty masculine behavior and maybe empower more men to show a more positive masculine energy and to also embrace their feminine side to talk about their emotions more and to be open about how they're feeling. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, f first and foremost is like I just said, open up that can of worms and, and just start, start that dialogue with your friends. 
if you feel like you want to talk to a woman first to try and get you used to the idea, um, I imagine women, a lot of women are more receptive to you talking about emotions. Um, and once you feel comfortable with that, then maybe move on to one of your friends, your brother, your father, your uncle, any male figure in your family uh, is a good second step. And then move into your work colleagues if you want to, if you have that kind of relationship with them. Um, secondly, I think uh, really importantly is to really find outlets that allow you to uh, manage your emotions uh, effectively rather than pushing them down. If you're feeling angry about something at work, then maybe you need to go and go for a run after work. Um, really think about why you're feeling angry and dissect that, how that was triggered. And then once you've really thought about it, go to someone and talk about it. Talk about, the per talk about it with the person that made you angry. Talk about it with your supervisor. Talk about it with your friend. Or if you've got no one to talk about it with, which is a reality for a lot of people because especially during lockdown, you know, I'm in Victoria and Melbourne. And if you're listening to this in another state, then you might have uh, the freedom of going and speaking to your friends. But write it down. Uh, write it in an, in an email. Write it on a piece of paper. And, and then if you want to read it back to yourself, then, then you'll be able to identify some of those emotions. And that is, that is an emotional awareness exercise, being able to um, rationalize those feelings and the, and the situations in which you felt that way. Um, you know, we, you, and, you and I were discussing potentially doing a program where after you finish a gym workout or any sort of workout, you have a group of friends and you literally just shooting the shit, chewing the fat, they call it. We're just talking and talking and talking and talking. And you get to a point of after talking for so long where you just, you start to talk about the things and how you feel about them. Um, when it's not just about, uh, we did this on the weekend because you probably didn't do anything on the weekend, especially in Victoria. <laughs> Um, but you get to a point where you're just talking about your emotions and how you feel about things and, uh, and really just keeping that dialogue open, uh, and, and focusing on that emotional intelligence and, and how you can uh, foster the growth and, and develop that. Mm. What mm. about you? What do you, what do you think some exercises that people can do? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll start by coming at it from, um, the masculine energy point of view, if if you're sitting there and and you're thinking of ways that you can express yourself as a man, like that's okay, but I think it's really important to distinguish what your outlets are for that, right? Your outlet shouldn't be going to the bar and sinking 20 beers and then treating women like shit and showing all of your apprentices or your friends um, that that's cool and getting them to kind of a applaud you on or clap you on that's not a good use of your masculine energy and that's probably just going to leave you feeling really shit uh, i mean let's be honest like how many times have we gone on and gone out when we're younger i know i did when i was younger i went out i was an asshole i got way too drunk or kicked out of a bar and i felt terrible for days afterwards 
So that's not really a good use of your masculine energy. So find the right outlets, right? We were talking about it before. You know, if, if martial arts are something for you, then do some jujitsu. Or if going to the gym and pumping weight is something that allows you to be angry in a, in a safe and pleasant environment, not pleasant, but, a, you know, you got the death metal music playing and you're lifting big weights. Like, there ain't nothing wrong with that, right? Like, that's a good use no. of your, your masculine energy. Or start a business. Man, start something you're passionate about. Like you said before, men have this capacity for um, stress management. So what better way to direct your masculine energy than to start applying yourself to the things you're passionate about, you know, start a business. Um, but then when it comes to finding that balance with your more emotional side and your feminine side, start seeking out groups of men who are brave enough to, to, to seek that out as well, right? Like maybe go do some yoga or get into meditation or make some more friends that are women, friends, right? Like you don't have to just be hanging out with women to hook up with them, right? Like I am yeah, so, yeah, yeah you don't need an agenda. <laughs> yeah, and like I get it, like biologically men are attracted to women, right? Like there is times when we feel the sexual draw towards even friends of ours, but we're able to identify as just friends with women guys it's, it's a myth that you can't be friends with women like i am proud yeah. to say that i have at least 10 friends that are women and they are platonic friends like it's cool and <laughs> of course you, you might get those 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 fantasies from time to time or that kind of biological instinct that oh you know maybe like we can be more than friends but you have the ability and the self-awareness to realize that someone is more important to you as a friend right so go out there and seek more female friends because women do have this incredible ability to be emotionally intelligent so use that to your advantage and don't be ashamed to ask a woman for help when you're feeling really shitty or you don't know how to express your emotions absolutely and you know what's really important as well as is, is as i said before if we don't have anybody to talk about talk to about any of these things about these emotions there are a lot of services out there like Lifeline um, that you can just pick up the phone and call them. There are people dedicated to just being on a text line. So if you just want a text message with someone and say, hey, I'm feeling really shitty because this happened. Like you said, you know, the beauty of that is you don't actually know the person on the other end of the text message. You don't feel like you're going to get judged because of what you're saying to them. They don't know anything about you. It's completely confidential service. And it's it, it kind of is the same premise as going and seeing a psychologist because there are no preconceived notions of who you are and your behavior and what you do, then you can really get to the root of the problem. And you'll find that by doing that, just picking up the phone and texting someone, you'll probably find the root of the problem on your own a lot quicker than you actually think. Cool. So we, we've kind of had a discussion about some of these points that, uh, that men out there listening right now could apply today in their life but let's kind of shorten it down so it's really easy and concise um, and maybe whoever's listening on the other side you can you can write down these next three points um, and start practicing them from today like it's not something that you need to wake wait a week to do you can you can start doing these things today so Vic do you want to kind of highlight maybe the first one in terms of what men can start doing today to to kind of start detoxifying masculinity as such Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think probably the most important thing to be doing uh, in detoxifying masculinity is is talking about your emotions, um, you know, really just getting whatever it is that's happening inside out there uh, to your friends, to your family, to anyone, 
and if if you can't actually find anybody to talk to there are a lot of services like lifeline that you can just pick up the phone call them or text them and they'll be able to you know confidentially just return messages and just discuss what it is that's going on mm. um just like if, if you go like okay let's use this as an analogy you go to the gym and you want to work out your muscles you know your, your your triceps or your traps or your quads the only way that they're going to get stronger is if you constantly work at them right it's the same with emotions and in emotional fitness the only way you're going to get emotionally fit is by constantly working at that and by talking about your emotions mm. um, with your friends family anyone mm, mm. 100% 100% man. And for anyone wanting to reach out to Lifeline, uh, do not be ashamed. And I'll leave that number in the show notes. This isn't something that you need to be embarrassed about. It's just make the call. The people on the other side of the line are trained um, in a professional way to have the conversation. And uh, it's probably going to be something that could potentially save your life. So never, ever be embarrassed to call out for help. So I'll leave that in the show notes. Uh, but I guess the second one I would point out is to seek out uh, mentors. And that's both masculine and female mentors, right? Seek out male mentors who show every day with their own actions what it's like to be a good man. You know, people who are potentially entrepreneurs, but also at the same time, they're kind, caring, and the things that they're creating are beneficial to a lot of people. You know, a really cliche one, but people like Tony Robbins, right? incredible male mentor you know like that's someone who has amazing masculine energy but at the same time he's embraced his feminine energy too right like he talks completely openly about all of his fuck-ups in the past and all of the things he's he's been able to overcome so people like that those are the kind of mentors you want to seek out right and then as well don't be ashamed to seek out female mentors too you know mentors that naturally will have better capacity to show their emotional intelligence and on that kind of aspect, find friends that are women. Like it's okay to have friendships with women, right? Like we discussed before. Um, and then, yeah, what was what was the kind of last one we were we were covering? I think it's, with? It's, I think it's important to seek outlets as well. Yeah, um, true, true. So, so what what kind of outlets do you think are a good outlets for masculine energy and and even feminine energy? Yeah, true. I think like that's a really important one as well, right? Like it, you are going to have masculine energy and it's okay to have masculine energy and it's also okay to find outlets for that masculine energy. So th things like going to the gym and lifting heavy ass weights while listening to, you know, really aggressive death metal, like, you know, that's okay. Like go get that masculine energy out in a way that's productive. Um, things like hunting or classically male orientated experiences like it is okay to seek that kind of stuff out right jiu-jitsu is another one um but then also from the the feminine energy aspect um you know seek out things that are classically feminine go do some yoga meditate be creative write poetry like you were talking about before um, and another aspect of masculine energy is you know go start a business go direct that uh, stress management energy towards creating something that you're passionate about instead of going and sinking 20 beers with the boys and you know harassing a bunch of women like that's not a productive use of your time or your energy yeah. completely agree cool bro well uh let's uh let's take a little break and then we can move on to the mask of masculinity
Thanks for tuning in to part one of this deep conversation with my friend Victor. I hope you got a lot out of that discussion around detoxifying masculinity. And if you agreed or disagreed with any of the things that we talked about in that podcast, feel free to hit either one of us up with a message. Or if you just want to get some more information, uh, both of our Instagram handles are available in the show notes. And we're more than happy to hear anyone's opinions, thoughts, feelings. Um, yeah, just uh, send us a message. And I know that Vic is keen to help out as well. But if you want to hear the full podcast, again, you can find that on YouTube at Couple of Lattes. Uh, but otherwise, if you are just on that audio buzz, the next part of this podcast will be available in just a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs>